another episode of the mixed witches podcast i didn't have anything to say after that i was like what what, what else is there to say today i don't know i don't have a follow-up to that <laughs> it's uh it's it's almost valentine's day you know it's great but we're still stuck inside make the best of it i guess anyway i don't go first this week okay no i go first I bring us Rose Quinn. A good boy. Soft boy. Soft. Hard boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Rose Quart is a rose pink variety of quart. Not to be confused with pink quart, because that is something different. They're not. I don't know why they're not. I didn't get that deep into it. But Rose Quart is... Found in the Earth's crust, it is mostly mined in Brazil, South Africa. It used to be mined in South Dakota in the U.S., also India, sometimes in Madagascar, Namibia, Mozambique, and Sri Lanka. But most rose quartz that we have is from Brazil. So quartz is a mineral composed of primarily silicon dioxide molecules, which typically form at about 752 degrees Fahrenheit to 1,292 degrees Fahrenheit, or 400 degrees Celsius to 700 degrees Celsius. That's what it takes to make quartz. And scientists are not really sure why rose quartz is pink or what makes it pink. There's some idea that it has to do with the level of titanium and iron in the quartz that makes it pink. And it can go from light pink, sort of like a milky pink, to really, really a deep, deep rose pink. And rose quartz is commonly found, so it's very rare that the rose quartz that you'll find is fake. They don't really make fake rose quartz because it's one of the most common stones on the planet, so they don't really manufacture it. So, rose quartz is associated with the heart chakra. And it is associated with the signs Taurus and Libra because it is associated with the planet Venus, and Venus rules both of those signs. It is also associated with the element Earth and the element of water. It has a spiritual vibration number of seven and a MOS or M O H S, I always just say MOS in my head, hardness of seven. So it's a pretty like average. Hardness of stone. <laughs> the sentence was coming out of my mouth, and then I was like, well. <laughs> well, this is how we're going to say it. So, rose quartz predominantly has to do with love, but all kinds of love. Unconditional love. As in love for self, love for others, platonic love, romantic love, all of the love. It's not just like a romance stone. You can use it for love in every facet. So that means it also has to do with friendship. It is good for forgiveness and patience. It is a good empathy stone and to help with compassion. It purifies and opens the heart. So you can let in a lot of heat. It also relieves anxiety, and it helps comfort in times of grief. It is one of the stones that are connected with the divine. Apparently, rose quartz also works well with emerald stones, tiger's eye, and moldavite. It also helps if you're doing, it works with like um, grounding stones like obsidian, 
for if you're doing a lot of self-work or shadow work to help, like, chill out and to help intense energy, those types of meditations. And I have two stories of why we have rose quartz in Greek mythology, because they're my favorite. The most common story comes from the love goddess herself, Aphrodite. And it goes that Aphrodite's obsession with her mortal lover, Adonis, enraged her previous lover, Ares, to the point of jealousy. So, in the form of a wild boar in the forest, Ares set out to mortally wound Adonis, because he wasn't having it. And he did. He stabbed him straight in the gut, <laughs> I assume. Sounds like Ares. And Adonis's cries of agony caught Aphrodite's attention all the way up in Olympus. And in her rush to save him, she cut herself on a briar bush. And she didn't even stop. She didn't care. She literally was like, bro, I ain't even worried. I'm dying. So her blood on the ground, it's a bit of, okay, let me rephrase it's a bit of a contingency. I've seen both. I've seen just her blood, and I've also seen their blood mixed together, but basically blood. The blood. But her blood, because Adonis's wasn't magic. So, But her blood on the ground created two things. It created anemone flowers. And if you look up Greek anemone flowers, those ones are red. There's a Japanese kind that are white, and there's a, a Baltic kind, and those are blue. But the ones in Greece are red. Obviously. I'd hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and there was clear quartz on the ground in the area. And when her blood hit it, it turned it. So rose quartz is also a stone of uh, reconciliation between lovers. I don't, I, I would like to know what happened at the end of this myth. Because it also talks about, we're talking about rose quartz, so uh, the story is, that's a brief synopsis, because I'm not about to talk about what happens to Adonis and everything else, but I would like to know, I have never seen anything happen to Ares, like, we just gonna let it go, like he did this, and we're not even gonna... She's not, not even gonna, gonna rip punished. something off? No, I know, seriously, it's like, I know what happens to Adonis, and we're just gonna ignore that he, he did that? Because I'd be throwing hands, but... I would have literally punched him straight in the top. I mean, to be fair, him and him and pretty much every other god on Olympus deserves to be punched straight in the mouth. No, yeah, they, they all deserve to be punched straight in the mouth. But additionally, I just remembered, additionally, uh, Aphrodite hates boars and pigs because of this. They used to sacrifice pigs to her in sort of respectful grief of of what the pig did. The other story for Rose Quartz is that Eros brought the pink gemstone down from Olympus to spread love and romance throughout the world. He saw this stone and he said, you know, the humans might like this, I think. And I'm grateful. He was right. I do like it. <laughs> I don't know where it was in Olympus or why it was there, but he saw it and he said, I'm going to give this to the humans. Obviously, Rose Court, love, Valentine's Day. You all get it. <laughs> <laughs> you all got it. You all got it. You all got it. It is not the only love stone. If you don't resonate with Rose Quartz, there are other stones that have to do with love. So do not be discouraged. You're not a big fan of, like, pink. Yeah, I'm I mean. not happy about it, but I understand. <laughs> I mean, that even goes in with, like, um. For, like, flowers, too, because roses aren't the only flowers that mean love. So if you don't want to put roses out or something, you can always find another flower. Yeah, if you're, like, allergic to roses or something. That'd be really unfortunate. That would really suck. I mean, you, couldn't, you probably can't walk nowhere during oh. February. God. Roses everywhere. You're just like, I'm not even... You just... Keep an antihistamine on you at all times. You take one before you leave the house. You take one while you're out and about. The worst. Literally. 
That's Rose Quartz. Ooh, short and succinct boy. Yeah. Well, Rose Quartz is pretty straightforward. It's not one of those stones that does a shit ton. Yeah. It just does this one thing. Love, that's what it does. Love. That's, that's good. That's good because I'm pretty sure my topic's going to be long. So, you go ahead. What I'm talking about today. I was thinking about um, cutting these into two different segments, but I didn't really want to do that because I knew I wasn't going to have enough to do both segments separately. So I'm mixing them together. For the first part, I'm talking about love deities. Deities. However you want to fucking say that word. I'm talking about love deities. In honor of Valentine's Day, which is Sunday. Pretty much, like, just like every other deity I've talked about so far, this one's pretty universal. You're going to find somebody somewhere that has to do with love or in relation to love. A lot of them were lust deities, um, not the ones that I put on here, but a lot of them were. <laughs> but, yeah, you're just like with, like, death and marriage you're probably going to find one in every single culture and also as a side note before I get actually into this even if you don't have somebody on Valentine's Day to like pray to these love deities about whichever one you resonate with if you decide to pray to a love deity on Valentine's Day you can always like do self-love like Pray to them for yourself instead of for another person. Like, it, do it doesn't always have to be you giving stuff out. You can always turn it back into yourself. Anyways, I'm going to get started with the baddest of the baddest bitches that have to do with love. And we've already talked about her today. Aphrodite. So, Aphrodite is the Greek counterpart to Venus. Um, she is the goddess of love, beauty, pleasure, sex, and passion. And on top of all of that, she is a fertility goddess. A lot of these goddesses that are love goddesses are going to be fertility goddesses for obvious reasons. Uh, she is married to Hephaestus, but has the most children with Aries. And then her symbols include myrtles, roses, doves, sparrows, and swans. Going off from her, I'm going to talk about the Erotes, 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 whatever. I'm saying Erotes, which are winged deities associated with love and sex. And usually they're like in Aphrodite's retinue. They work with her. So first we have Eros, which is the Greek counterpart, and Cupid, which is the Roman counterpart. He is the son of Aphrodite's and Ares. And is the god of love and sex. And is also a fertility god. And then we have Antares. Which is the god of unrequited love. But also punishes people who turn their nose up at love or others advances. And also is the avenger of unrequited love. And then we have Himeros. Which is the god of sexual desire and unrequited love. We have uh, Hedy Logos. Yeah, don't at me about that. I know it's wrong. I don't know how to say it correctly. <laughs> um, he is the god of sweet talking and flattery. And then we have Hermaphroditus. Whoa, Hermaphroditus. Let me get that right who is the god of hermaphrodites and effeminate men. And then we have Hymen, which I think it's the next two or the next three that just imagine me, like that office meme where they're staring at the camera. So <laughs> this one is Hymen, which is the god of marriage, weddings, and the bridal Hymen. Which first off, if you're going to have a god, like a deity, that rules over the bridal hymen, why not make it a female? Why does it have to be a male? Can't we get a goddess over here, not a dude? Anyway, 
Then we have Pothos, which is the god of sexual longing, yearning, and desire. And then Philotus, which is either a goddess or a daemon, which a daemon is a spirit of affection, friendship, and sex. She is the daughter of Nyx, and she is a minor goddess. Moving on to Hindu, and out of, you know, that retinue, we have, oh, Philotus isn't a, um, Erotes. She's, she's not in that category. My bad. Okay, yeah, so, next. <laughs> next we have Hindu, which is Kamadeva, and that is the god of love and or desire. He is the son of the god Brahma. And then we have Rati, which is Kamadeva's female counterpart, who often is... Well, okay, wait, wait, wait. They are often depicted together. And she is the goddess of love, carnal desire, lust, passion, and sexual pleasure. And then we have Armenian, which is Estlik. And in the earliest prehistoric period, she was worshipped as the goddess of fertility and love. The skylight was considered to be her pat her personification, her passion, her personification. Um, and in the heathen period, she became the goddess of love, maidenly beauty, and water sources slash springs. So I kept seeing this throughout my research where like early goddesses who were uh, associated with love or lust were also associated with sunrises, sunsets. And I think that's kind of cool because it probably explains why people think sunrises and sunsets are super, super romantic. Just a complete aside. <laughs> and then we have Filipino, which is Bangan which is the um, Kenkene, goddess of romance, and then Amas, which is the Eta, deity of pity, love, unity, and peace of heart, and then Dian Mas, uh, Masalanta, which is the Tagalog goddess of lovers and patron of lovers and generation. There's also two other names. One of them is the Spanish, uh, like, counterpart to her, which is Alapriapos. One day. Alapriapo. And then the Western version, which is Priapus. Priapus. Whatever you want to say. It'll come out the same, I'm sure. It won't. Um, and then we have Chinese, which I have no idea how to say this name. It's Jiutiana uh, Zunu. Man, I'm so sorry. It's J-I-U-T-I-A-N. And then the next name is X-U-A-N-N-U. This is the goddess of war, sex, and longevity. And then we have Yu Lao, which we've seen him before. I've talked about him. I talked about him during the marriage episode. Um, he is the old man under the moon and is the god of love and marriage. He binds two people together with an invisible red string. In Shinto, we have Ben Zaiten. So if you frequent or follow the Penumbra podcast for Juno's storyline, you've heard this name before. It was his brother. And I felt very silly when I realized that Ben Zaiten was a goddess, just like Juno is a goddess. And for some reason, their mother decided to name them after goddesses. But that's fine. I enjoy it either way. Listen, she said gender. I don't know. I don't believe in that. I mean, that's basically like the whole podcast. The podcast said gender? What's that? <laughs> Give them girl names. I don't care. <laughs> Make them goddesses. I mean, it's fine, you know. Juno, I'd rather Juno be called Juno than Jupiter because, you know, Zeus. Not a big fan. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyways, so you've heard the name before if you frequent the Penumbra podcast. So Benzaiten is a Shinto kami, and she is one of the seven lucky gods in Japan and is based on the Hindu goddess Saraswati. She is the goddess of things that flow like music, water, knowledge, emotion, and love. Then we have Norse, which is Freya. She is the goddess of love, fertility, battle, and death. Her father is the sea god Jord, which I don't I don't know how to <laughs> I don't know how to put my thoughts into words. But it's very interesting to me that both of these love goddesses from Greek and the Norse have to do with the sea in some way, shape, or form. Just a thought. I had it while I was researching. And her male counterpart is her brother, uh, Freyr. For Hawaiian, um, we have Laka, who is the goddess of the goddess of hula, fertility, love, and beauty, and she is the wife of the god Lono. For Egyptian, which I'm so mad at myself, I was sitting here looking at the Norse, and I was like, why does this feel super, super short? What, you know, what cultures am I missing? Egypt. I was missing Egypt. Egyptian, we have Hathor, who is the goddess of the sky, women, fertility, and love. Often her animal form was that of a cow, and she may not be her, like Hathor may not be her original name. She is also associated with motherhood. The reason they think that Hathor might not be her original name is because Hathor translates to like the eye of Horus or something something like that it translates to Horus's name instead of her own and then we also have Basset or Bast which I kept seeing her thrown in so I added her with Sekhmet they were considered to be two aspects of the same goddess with Sekhmet being the fiercer of the two and Bast being the gentler, and her visage uh, eventually transformed from that of a lion to a cat, while, you know, Sekhmet's kind of stayed a lion. She is the goddess of love, home, domesticity, cats, fertility, and pleasure. Then for Yorubin, or Santeria, we have Oshun, which is the goddess of luxury, pleasure, sexuality, fertility, beauty, love, the river, and fresh water. She's got lots of things she's presiding over. For voodoo, we have Erzuli Frida um, Daume, or Erzuli Dantor, which if you remember, I talked about her before. Uh, it's her two different aspects. Well, she has a bunch of aspects, but these are the two that I'm talking about right now. So she is the Loa of love and beauty, as well as some other choice things, depending on which aspect you're worshipping. So if you remember, Frida Daume is kind of the softer of the two, pinks and whites and stuff like that, where Dantor kind of is more towards fiery things like reds and how do I put this? I'm only thinking in colors right now. <laughs> but like the fiery portion of that. And then Frida is the softer side of it. For Welsh, we have Maybon. And he is the god of the sun, youth, vitality, love, and sex. So that's what I have for deities. Now the other part of my segments that I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about different ways cultures celebrate love around the world. Different celebrations. So in the U.S., we celebrate Valentine's Day on February 14th, and that's become kind of widespread, I guess you could say. But where we give flowers and chocolates, it's not the same everywhere else. So in South Korea... Love is celebrated on the 14th of every month, not just the not just in February. Um, well, I don't have the money for that. <laughs> but most of them are unofficial. 
So in May, they have Rose Day. In June, they have Kiss Day. In December, they have Hug Day and so on. In China, the uh, Kixi Festival, it's Q-I-X-I Festival, is celebrated on August 14th, which is the seventh day of the seventh month of the Chinese calendar. It's very specific. Couples pray for prosperity and singles prepare fruit in the hope that they find love, essentially. I don't know why they're preparing fruit. I didn't get too far into that. In Wales, I've also talked about this before. Not this specific day, but I've talked about what I'm about to talk about. So, in Wales, Valentine's Day or uh, St. Dwynwen's Day is celebrated on January 25th by exchanging, exchanging wooden love spoons between lovers. In Japan, on February 14th, women gift men with chocolate, and it isn't until March 14th that the men reciprocate the gifts with whatever they deem a good gift to return. You know, there's always, if you ever watch anime, there's always, always, always going to be a Valentine's Day episode or a White Day episode, usually in conjunction with each other. Usually shoujo anime, I will say that, usually shoujo, but sometimes you can find it in other ones, too. They're usually good episodes. (laughs) I enjoy them. They're cute. They're cute. Um, In the Czech Republic, on May 1st, lovers go out to the statue of the poet Karol Hinek Maka. I think I'm saying it wrong. There's a little over top of the A. You know, it's got a little hat. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) In Petrin Park, kissing beneath the cherry blossoms in the park is supposed to be, is supposed to bring luck in the coming year. In Ghana, this is also known as National Chocolate Day because the country is one of the largest um, cacao producers in the world. And this day is characterized by special chocolate-themed menus, exhibitions, and talks throughout the country. In South Africa, while lovers do common things, you know, like just spending time together, like uh, going out for a romantic dinner or something, some honor the Roman festival of Lupercalia by pinning the name of their lover or crush to to their sleeve for their day. to their sleeve for the day. So they write it on a little piece of paper or something, and they pin it to their sleeve for everybody to see because a card isn't obvious enough. Got to let everybody know. Talk about wearing your heart on your sleeve. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I would not. I don't have the balls for that. Oh, no, literally, I would just be single, so I would never do that. Like, it's a great way to put yourself out there, but at the same time, no. Thanks. Next, in Estonia and Finland, instead of romantic love, friendship is celebrated on February 14th. In Brazil, Dia dos... Namorados, namorados, <laughs> sorry, is a, is celebrated on June 12th, wait, wait, <laughs> oh, okay, I know what I'm, t- I know what, I know what's going on with this sentence, Dia dos Namorados is celebrated on June 12th, and St. Anthony's Day, which is the patron saint of marriage, is celebrated the next day. So single women will perform sympatias, which are kind of like rituals, in hopes of being married the following year. In St. Valentine, France, from the 12th to the 14th of February, the Village of Love gets decked out in roses, trees are covered in love notes, Proposals are pad-fucking-everywhere. 
and people go there in hopes of planting their own lover's tree. In Argentina, while Valentine's Day is celebrated, they also set aside a full week in July known as Sweetness Week. So during this week, kisses are given in exchange for baked sweets or chocolate or something like that. Just a sweet treat. So that's what I have. That's what I have for celebrations. I think I already talked about this, but I'm going to say it again. Even though we're stuck inside for Valentine's Day, like it doesn't have to be a sad Valentine's Day, you can make it special. You can take the day to practice self-love and self-care, remembering who's important at the end of the day, which is you, because you're always going to be with you. (laughs) I know that's unfortunate for some people, but you're always going to be there with yourself. Uh, So like take the day to get back in touch with yourself, literally and figuratively. And then if you do have somebody you're sharing the day with, just be safe and have fun and have a good day. Like reconnect with your lover, your spouse, your significant other, whoever's there with you. And remember why you fell in love with them to begin with. So just there's there's ways to make it not disappointing. Just because you can't go out and do something special for the day, it doesn't mean you can't make it special. And that's what I have about love deities and love celebrations. I just had the thought of, like, it, it just became really aware that we are of a certain age. Because you already did marriage. And now there's love. Yeah. Well, we are of an age. <laughs> yeah. We are of an age where we are interested in these things. Honestly, As in, I don't want to be single no more. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, like... We're, we're kind of of an age where we can, like, be of right mind. Like, we're not going to be stupid about it, you know, when you're, like, a kid. Because I was really desperate to get married when I was a kid. I was just smart enough not to... I was not. <laughs> not to give it out to any Tom, Dick, and Harry who came by. But, do you know how... I mean, I did that. <laughs> I'm not saying you did. I'm just, I, I am. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Do you have a media type for us? I bring... Well, in our list of things, there was nothing very Valentine. But I bring Tokyo Mew Mew. Hello. Which I have learned that they're going to create a re-adaption. Re-whatever. Yes! <laughs> Adaptation. That's the word. For fuck's sake. They announced it, like, in 2020, and it's going to come out in, like, 2022 or so. Kind of like with Clear Card? That's what the wiki said. And stuff? Yeah. Man. So, for y'all who have not seen Tokyo, it is a good, old-fashioned, magical girl anime that came out in 2000, 2003. Let me rephrase. The manga came out from 2000 to 2003. The show actually came out from 02 to 02. There's 52 episodes in Japanese and 26 in English. What the fuck? You know what? <laughs> that explains a lot. I think I, wa- I had to watch that second season in Japanese, and I was very confused. Yeah. Especially because in English, especially back in the day, they, like, changed everybody's name. They did that with Sailor Moon, too. They give them, like, English names, and then you watch it in Japanese, and they got the different names. Pokemon was the same thing. Ash's name is not Ash in Japanese. Sorry for y'all. <laughs> so funny. Sorry to let y'all know he has a Japanese name if you watch it in Japanese. <laughs> and it was just, I just think it's weird how, like, when they were bringing anime over during the 2000s and we were all watching it, it was like, did they think we were too dumb? To understand Japanese names, so they had to give them English names. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> it's silly. So, the plot of uh, Tokyo Mimu is a magical girl plot. In Jap- I say this because everyone's names in Japanese, including the villains, they're all named after food. Whereas in English, they weren't. So if you watch it in Japanese, you're going to be like, hmm. But it, in fact... 
it's silly, but it all makes sense. Whereas in English, they didn't do that, so everyone just has a stupid regular name. <laughs> I don't know why they would do that. Oh, yeah. Wasn't, Honestly. like, the main character's name Amy or something in the English adaption? Something something like that. But her, her actual name is, like, Ringo? Her name is Ichigo. Ah, see, somebody's name is Ringo somewhere. But, yeah, Ichigo makes sense. So, yeah. Well, her name, her name is Ichigo, for y'all who don't understand Japanese, that is strawberry. We also have mint. We also have Ritasu, who is lettuce. <laughs> that poor girl. <laughs> and the villains are, well, there's one called Deep Blue, but there's Quiche, Tart, and Pie. <laughs> and this is the moment where I go, man, I hate anime <laughs> magical girl anime at least <laughs> i literally just had that moment where i i rolled and went i i hate anime <laughs> there's also a character when there's a little spinoff in her there's another main character and her name is barry the blonde-haired one if you'll remember the younger one ling yeah. which translates chinese to pudding yeah. Pudding fong. So pudding. <laughs> I'm just like, but why? But why is this something that we do? But why? In English, the main character's name is Zoe. Oh, okay. Which is not even close to Ichigo <laughs> or Strawberry. But... I mean, it would have been dumb if they just would have straight up called her Strawberry, but at least I would have understood. Yeah. I guess. So anyway, a magical girl anime. All of these girls, Ichigo and the four girls, live in Tokyo, and they were at an endangered species exhibit, and then powers happen. Because they all can turn into endangered species. Specifically, a type of cat, a type of monkey, a type of sea animal, and a type of bird. And the purple one. The oh, she turns into a gray wolf. Okay, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't see it at first. She turns into a gray wolf. That that makes more sense. Okay. So I was like trying also, to imagine like what kind of purple animal is out there, but that's not something that naturally happens in animals. No. <laughs> I like how I said and the purple one. Uh, <laughs> as if she don't have a name that I'm looking at right here <laughs> so they turn into these animals and they can save the day and of course because this is an old fashioned shoujo our main character turns into a cat and she also has cat like traits and makes cat puns and all of them follow suit because Japanese humor punches you in the face <laughs> Japanese humor doesn't know when to stop. <laughs> Japanese will beat the horse until it's dead, revived, and dies again. <laughs> so, there's also a main love interest who then also becomes magical because Sailor Moon happened and we all have to imitate it. So, yeah, I was just thinking he's popular because. popular and cute. <laughs> you know how it go. I do, because I was thinking, this whole time I've been thinking about Shugo Kara and uh, Iko. Yes, yes, I think that's what his name is. Who was my favorite character. Yeah, he was the antagonist and he was also magical. He ended up with, he was the one who ended up with cat ears. <laughs> he has his little, you know... Well, eventually, the main character and then the and then the crush character they fucking merge together and then they dismerge. I read in this synopsis. I don't remember that at all. Because at one point, spoiler, he dies, and then he doesn't die. I'm just like shoujo anime is honestly a fucking mess. Yeah, typical shoujo anime. <laughs> typical magic transformations. So shoujo anime. <laughs> They transform into these animals. Obviously, the transformations were my favorite part as a kid. Of course. 
I literally would just watch those sometimes. <laughs> Fuck the rest of the episode. I don't care. Also, she at the start of the series, Ichigo was 12. So, I remember being 12, and I remember having crushes. So, I'm not even going to say anything out of pocket. I'm not saying whatever. You're allowed to have romantic interests at 12. So, all you're going to do is fucking hold hands. You don't do shit at 12. And go to the park. Or the fucking animal exhibits. <laughs> like these two dummies. <laughs> or get like. If a, dude, if, I, if a dude asked me to go to the zoo, I would be happy, but then I might be like, that's interesting. I mean, yes, but the zoo? <laughs> that's where the my first date in San Diego took me, was the zoo. The zoo? Well. Yeah. It's just an interesting choice is what I'm saying. Yeah. It was hot that day, too. And we were fucking walking around. It was like 100 degrees. There is a point in the anime where as her DNA, her cat DNA gets stronger, she'll turn into a cat. She turns into a cat by kissing and she turns back into a human by kissing. Shoujo anime is strange. They don't care. Like, shoujo <laughs> anime doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> All of the, there are multiple villains who are interested in her, which is not an age thing. I'm going to say this because I thought this about Fruits Basket a few seconds ago. Why do these plain ass fucking female ass main characters have all these love interests? What do you love about her? <laughs> I love Toru, but I don't get it. She, what are y'all falling in love with? The fact that she picks up their fucking messes for them. Honestly, the fact that she's dumb as hell. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how I feel about Tokyo Mew Mew. That's how I feel about most magical girl animes. I'm like, what are y'all falling in love with? What is there to love? I mean, they're fine. They ain't all that, though. You know, that's fair because, well, okay, not not fair. I was going to say that. The one of the only magical girl animes that I remember that not happening in was Little Witch Academia. Which you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a cute little shojo. It's it, I mean cute little shojo. It's cute, sweet. You it literally everything you expect to happen is going to happen, and I like it. Yeah, and the main character is pink, and and she has a and her one of her her transforming thing is in the shape of a heart. The Valentine's Day. Oh, shoujo. If you don't like old anime, though, yeah, you might want to skip this one. Skip. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because it's definitely like if you don't like anime from the two thousands, everything you don't like about it is going to be in this anime. So you might want to not. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to rewatch yeah, Inuyasha one time. And they do the time. whole big eye thing. Oh, the art is old. Yeah. So everyone has big eyes and, and there's no shading. <laughs> <laughs> Typical old anime stuff. What do you have? Um, today, because I ran out of books. <laughs> if I Finally. Well, I mean, <laughs> next week's episode, since I did those notes before these ones, actually has a book still attached to it. But I ran out of books. So. That's okay. This is also not witch-related, but it is god-related. I'm going to talk about Lore Olympus. And that's by Rachel Smith. And I know I'm late to the game. I don't know how many people are late to the game. Or if how many people actually know about this. But it's a really, really good webcomic. You can find it on Webtoons. It's free. And it's at 147 chapters right now. Still good. So the whole kind of basis for the comic is that it's um, like if Olympus was high society and the mortal realm were still doing like, like ancient Greece stuff. But anyways, the point is Persephone has lived in the mortal realm her entire life and finally her mom gives her the leave like she allows her to go to college in Olympus so she goes to Olympus and she ends up meeting Hades there you know 
because the lore Olympus is derivative of the myth for how Hades and Persephone got together. It's not like the the main focus is Persephone and Hades love interest for each other, but it's not the only thing that Lore Olympus talks about. It goes into every like other things too. It goes into Hades backstory, it goes into the fact that Persephone was core before she was Persephone. It goes into the backstory for the rest of the gods. It's actually very, very interesting. I really, really enjoy it. And it's really funny. So if you, if you like a good ha-ha, you're going to get a lot of ha-has out of this. <laughs> all of the ha-has. Yeah, all the ha-has. Like, I pissed myself laughing for the first, like, hundred chapters. <laughs> there are some, I will say, there are some, like, trigger warning-ish things but they do address that at the beginning of every chapter that has a trigger warning in it. Most of the trigger warnings have to do with like sexual abuse. So you find about that out later. But yeah, like they, they do post the trigger warnings at the beginning of each chapter that have, have them in it. But otherwise, it's, it, it's a good, good solid comic. And it's ongoing. And it's free. My favorite things. But that's what I have. Free and ongoing? Huh? Free and ongoing? Free and ongoing. Yeah. And good. Like, if it's good, free and ongoing. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's a, it better be that. Right? Even if it's, if it's not free, not free, done, ongoing, it has to be good. It has to be good. You're right. (laughs) It has to be good. Okay, I will say this. Those are some of my favorite things as long as it's, like, really, really good. Like, something I want to return to and I will reread later. If it's not something I want to reread later, then I'd rather it not be ongoing. Fair enough. <laughs> but this one, this one I love to return to, so... But yeah, that's what I have. It's got it's got lots of little cutesy moments in it too between um, Hades and Persephone. So that it's not Valentine's Day centric, but it's got a lot of romance in it. So if if you want something romantic, cutesy, romantic to read, that's the one. So if you want to hear more from us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Just by typing in Nick's Witches Podcast, our accounts will pop up. You can also shoot us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. We also have a Society6, which is also at mixedwitchespodcast.com. Dot com? Mixed Witches Podcast. That's it. <laughs> the dot com yes. is on Society6. <laughs> <laughs> That's them. That's them. <laughs> That's not us. Hope you guys have a good Valentine's Day. And you make it... You know what? I don't know what I was going to say. Hope you guys have a Just great week. Just have a week. nice day, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have a great week. Have a good Valentine's Day. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Our minds are getting faded Did not appreciate all that they created We're chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Thinking more, but doing less Keeping score, but failing at the test, y'all Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Chasing after that witch's brew Got nothing better to do Cause y'all sailing down Easiest street again Damn X marks the spot Or is it all Getting high then Feeling so low Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn
desire Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Dreaming about paradise Play those cards, baby, roll those dice, y'all Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Start to go and then you stop cause you're sailing down easy street again. Damn, almost within reach, but out of your grasp. The last drop at the bottom of your glass, you're chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn. damn.